I apologize if the scriptures are different than the ones I read to, to these guys here that are getting the clipboards. They probably got the other verses that I gave her. And uh, I set up a question last week, and now I'm going to collect the answers. What's the greatest miracle? I'm preaching on the greatest miracle. What is the greatest miracle? Anybody want to throw any of them out there? Guesses? Christ's resurrection? That was an amazing thing. Anything else? Any other guesses? That he died for us on the cross. Good. That he died for us on the cross? Getting closer. It's sort of part of the miracle. He came to earth to be born of a man. That's part of the miracle, too. Grace for us? That's certainly amazing. That God should love us enough to even provide us a way to come to All of those are great. And they are who God is. Just not quite to the miracle. Our salvation. Our salvation. I was hoping somebody would get it so I didn't, wasn't the only one. I would have felt bad if I was the only one. That God... Brings us to him is an amazing miracle. When you think about where we're at at the beginning compared to where we are now, we were sinners with no hope on our way to hell. Lost. And he came up with a way to offer salvation. To bring those he loves to himself to cause us to experience the most incredible miracle of of all time that we would know God personally salvation is an amazing thing and we've been saved so after a while it seems just part of your life sometimes we forget how unique it is what God did. And so part of what I'm doing is reminding you. So we're going to be in John chapter 14. Uh, you can turn there. I'm going to read again the part of Job. I think that Job gets it right when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I, not another. How my heart yearns within me. Do you ever have that, that desire that you just almost can't wait? You want to say with some of the apostles, even so, come Lord Jesus, even so, come. I'm ready. I read Isaiah so that I would remind you who God is. Read that. Um, you weren't here when he created everything. Even now as you see the stars come into, into the sky, he gives them the power to continue to exist. 
I always loved to study astronomy, and one of the things I learned was that the, our sun burns enough gas in a single second to heat the earth for 200 years. But that sun is still there. Since the beginning of creation to today, that sun still burns. That's amazing. But that's God's ability to work, to give power to his creation. And in John 14, we have a discussion take place with the disciples. And I thought that it would be interesting to go over it. If you saw all my notes that I was doing to try and get this together, it looks like I have a lot. Um, I've narrowed most of that down to a few things. But it's still extensive, and especially if I decide to quote any of these other things. So keep up. We'll get done in time. And uh, hopefully we'll grow and be excited as we listen to this passage. I'm not going to read through the whole passage, although before I'm done, I probably will read a significant part of it. But... Part of the discussion here starts with Christ's, and we're going to go past some of the verses just to, to go to the place where he says, um, verse 4, you know the way to the place where I'm going. That's a statement he makes. Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus responds, so here, Thomas wants to know the way. How do I get there? And Christ responds, I am the way, the truth and the life. No, no one comes unto the Father except through me. So his response is to say, look, the way to Christ the way, the way to where I'm going is to know that I am the way. If you know me, you know the way. Now they were looking for something a little bit more specific. You know, it's like me telling you how to get to my house. You don't want me to tell you, well, you know who I am, so you know the way. That doesn't help you any, does it? Not really. If I tell you where I live, then you... Know the way? If I tell you to turn down here and go through the stop sign, go straight on out across State Street and go for 2.4 miles, go around the curve and up top the hill and turn left into the driveway. Not the blue house drive, not the blue barn driveway, the maroon blue barn driveway you drive, pull up that one. And that'd be my house. Well, that gives you directions, but here, Christ gives you a set of directions because where you're going is not reachable except through Christ himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And he goes on, says, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So Philip comes up, he says, uh, you got the way? Now, I want to know, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Now, do you remember when 
Moses was up in the mountain and had been in the presence of God, not seeing all of him, just in the presence of his glory. What happened when he came down? His face glowed. Nobody could look at him. So he put a veil over his face so that they could look upon him, so he could talk to them and share what God had given him. Well, another place, they hide him in a cleft so that as he goes by, they get to see his train. They don't get to see all of him. They just get to see his train. And that's more than enough. Being in the presence of a holy God is not an easy thing. And so his response here is, Philip wants to say it, you show us the Father, and, and that'll be enough for us. And he responds to show us and says, ultimately, I am in the Father and he is in me. That's, uh, we start at verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I'm doing. Now, the point there is he's, he's telling you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you, haven't you got it yet? And basically he's saying that to Philip. Haven't you got it yet? You've been in my presence all this time. If you see me, you've seen the Father. I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. So if you've seen Christ, if you've come in contact with Christ, you've come in contact with the Father. That's part of our relationship with God, is He's the way, the truth, and the life, and now we come in contact with the Godhead because of Jesus Christ. And we can have that relationship, that personal contact with God that there was impossible before Christ died on the cross. That personal contact that makes us his sons and daughters. So, as the discussion goes on, he says, uh, and I have to find, I don't know why I didn't write the verses down here. Oh yes, verse, verse 15. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor. Um, before that, he says, um, I can't find the verse I want. That was one of the verses, but that's not the one I ultimately wanted. Just give me a second, and I will locate it. wasn't the verse I wanted yet. I, um, it's a verse that says, uh, if you believe in God, believe in me. And for some reason, I'm not picking it up quick, quickly here. 14.1. That's the first verse? Well, I skipped that on purpose. That's why. Oh, mine says trust. That's why I'm having trouble finding it. Thank you. Uh, 
14.1 says, uh, he's responding to something that happened in the chapter before. He says, not to let your heart be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Then he tells us something that I'm going to bring back at the end. But the, the point of it is, if you love me, believe in me. If, you, if you've come in contact with me, you know my love for you, you love me, trust me. What I'm telling you is true. So the third, the third thing is basically them not knowing about how they can have this relationship with God and they want this unique relationship and he's saying first of all you need to get there on the way secondly you need to come in contact with me in such a way that you realize you have seen the father through me so you know the father because you know me then he says love me I love you the father loves you love me and trust me that's another step that he gives because they, he, they want to know how do we build this relationship further? Then ultimately he turns around and says, and I'm going to do one more thing for you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send him. When I go, I'm going to send him. He's going to be the comforter. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now, that, all has, that hasn't all happened yet. The Spirit's not residing in them yet. It will happen. And in fact, he tells them all of this because he wants them to be aware that when I go... I'm sending the comforter, and when he comes, you'll understand all of this. Until then, I'm just giving you information. I'm giving you things that are important for you to know, but it's really not going to hit home until the Holy Spirit comes. And then I'll hit home to you. Now, you have an advantage over them. As I teach it, you already have the Holy Spirit. So you can understand some of these things in a way that they couldn't at this time. He says, all this I've spoken while I'm still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. So the Lord, in speaking here, answers their questions. Each one of them, each time something came up as he talked, they would have a question or a statement and he would respond to them. He was responding to prepare them for the moment he would leave. You've come in contact with the Lord. You know that he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. That's how you came to him. Knowing that you were a sinner and needed a savior. That miracle is incredible in light of just the fact he brought you into relationship with him. Because you didn't deserve the relationship. Y'all understand that, right? None of you deserved a relationship with God. I didn't deserve a relationship with God. There's nothing I could have done to get into that relationship. Not one thing. 
Christ had to do it all. Jesus Christ had to do everything necessary to bring you into a relationship with him so that you could know him, so the Spirit could live in you, so that you would have a relationship with the Father and you could freely enter into his presence because there was no way you could be in his presence without the work of Jesus Christ. Christ was able to set you in a place where you would be considered holy in the sight of God by taking care of all your sin. He would give you a robe of righteousness so you could enter into the very presence of God and enjoy Him and not be afraid, not be worried about Him. Not that we don't have any reverence or understanding of who He is. I used to like to explain to people how you get this idea of God loves you and yet he ought to be reverenced for who he is. God is huge. He's powerful. He's holy. He is everything. All things exist because of him. What's it like to be in his presence? So the best way I could explain it to somebody, especially I like to do it with children, but I like to do it with anybody. Imagine that you have a whole group of ants and they love you and you love them. I know that's hard to believe because we really don't want ants in the house, you know, and stuff. But, but imagine. And, and to them, who are you? Well, to them, you are this big, kind of scary idea of why are you scary? Well, when I come out to see them and I step out onto that sidewalk and they're all standing there waiting to look at me, I have big feet. Just one step I could destroy hundreds of them. Wouldn't that make you a little nervous? If you think of God as, a, as somebody as big as that compared to you, and he takes a step, what could happen? hundreds of ants. That makes you a little nervous. Powerful. They think I'm powerful. Okay? But I love them, so what am I going to do? I'm going to be careful about where I step. going to make sure they have time to get out of the way. I love them, so as much as I panic them, I give them peace by them knowing that I love them, and I will take extra special care of them to avoid them. Well, God has done everything necessary so you could be in his presence without the fear of what he might do. Because he's paid the price for you to enter his presence. He's given you the robe of righteousness so you don't have to fear being there. Doesn't mean we don't have respect for him. It means I'm not terrified of him anymore when I'm in his presence. I think I'm going to be when I see him, for all he is. I, at least I'll be. I will realize how holy and amazing he is and probably want to get down on my knees and, and be careful. Um, but I know that he loves me. And it takes away the panic. Gives me freedom. So... I have that freedom and, and I come into that relationship, the miracle of salvation. I come to him and I 
find out some things that I receive as a result of that relationship. And it's here and in other places, but um, here, you'll do greater works than me, he says. He says, um, I'm on the wrong page. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me, verse 12 and, and following, anyone who has faith in me uh, will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, I believe a lot of that doing is in relationship to you being willing to do the things he desires you to do. And in this case, he is going to send them to share the gospel, the power of God unto salvation. It's what he's sending them out there to do. You'll do greater works. Salvation, the gospel, what, how, what effect will that have? In Luke chapter 15, verse 10, sharing uh, how great the, the uh, change is, how, how, great, um, how great a thing salvation is. He talks about the angels. And he says, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. How incredible is salvation. The angels rejoice. When one comes in uh, 1 Peter 1.12, a similar idea is talked about. He says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. When they spoke of the things that have been now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. Salvation is an incredible thing that even the angels don't understand. They rejoice when one comes to the Lord, but they don't understand totally that experience. But you have that experience. You've come into the presence of God. You will do greater works. What's he mean by that? And, and I just went through Acts. I've done this before, and I just went back through and looked at all these passages of scriptures that remind you of the work that God was doing in saving people. And I'll just share a couple of those very quickly. I have them all marked so it would be easy to, to share with you. So the first one uh, is uh, Peter preaches. That's the first message that's preached in Acts. And at the end it says, those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. It's an amazing miracle. 3,000 souls come to Christ. That continues to happen over and over again through the scriptures. Even when uh, Peter's in prison and he gets, and he, Lord opens it up to leave him out and the jailer wants to, to take his life and he says, oh wait, we're all here. And his whole household comes and then others come as a result to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. 
over and over again in Acts, there's at least 31 different places in Acts that reminds us that God was working that miracle in amazing ways where thousands came to know the Lord. What an amazing miracle to have so many come. And he's, he's the same today as he was then. Salvation is amazing. Romans says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. The power of God unto salvation. So, second thing that you get from it, you get, there'll be a place for you. You will be with him. In a place I will prepare for you. He's very specific. Now it's interesting, I believe that what happened here is Peter was told that he couldn't go with him and then the Lord tells him he's going to deny him. Three times. And in the very next verse he says, uh, do not let your hearts be troubled. It's kind of a nice response if you're telling me that I'm going to, de to deny you and, then, and I'm telling you I'm going to leave you. And then you say, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So here's another blessing. One, in your blessing of salvation, you are part of the body of Christ. You are part of his family. You are a child of the living God. But that's not all. He prepared a place for you, so you, just like Job, are looking forward to the day when you'll see him in the flesh. You'll be there in your flesh. And you'll see God. For the first time in its fullness, without those dark glasses on, you'll see the big picture. I don't think we'll understand it all yet, but we're going to see it. We're going to see God. For who he is. We're going to go to a place he prepared for you. In, uh, trying to remember where it is. I believe it's in Ephesians, but it may be in 1 Peter. Where It's in Peter. Where he talks about the fact that you have an inheritance. And, and basically the passage says, it's an inheritance that's guaranteed for you. Now, I worked for Holiday Inn for a while, and we guaranteed places for people to stay. And people would come in, and, and they'd be getting around midnight at night. The place was getting pretty full, and you'd have somebody drive in, they needed a place, and you didn't have any, but people hadn't shown up yet. So you gave them a room. So then when the people showed up, their guaranteed room wasn't there. It created all kinds of problems as you can imagine. But you know, you'll not have that problem when you get to heaven. When you get there, your place will be there. When Christ guarantees, when the Father guarantees you a place in heaven, you have a place. And it'll be there when you get there. Guaranteed. One designed for you. I don't know what the difference will be, but we're all different. And it will be unique. So you get that place. The other promise that you have, he will come. 
He says, if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. So you know the way. He's the truth, the life and the way. He's, he's it. You have come to know him in salvation, and if you haven't, you don't have any of these benefits, but you have a relationship with God if you have. And that relationship is permanent. You can never be taken out of it. In John 10, he reminds us that if we're in his hands, we're also in the Father's hands. You have the best double coverage you've ever had. You're safe. You're his child. No one can remove you from there. That's a permanent relationship with God. And in the end, he will come to take you unto himself. Now we know back in Corinthians and in Thessalonians, both of them talk about him coming back. And in Corinthians, I believe it is, he says he, he'll come in the twinkling of an eye. How fast is a twinkle? I don't know, but it's pretty fast. And it just goes that fast. We'll be with him in heaven. Just that fast. I used to think of it as a mass migration. You know, you'd see all these people just taking off up into glory. But it happens in the twinkling of an eye, so I don't think anybody will see it. I think he'll come in the air, we'll meet him there, and we're gone. And we're in heaven. That'll be amazing. Your guaranteed place is there. If he came today, we would be gone in the twinkling of an eye. Because it's guaranteed to those who love him and know him, who believe in him. So as I thought about all these different scriptures and the angels rejoicing over salvation and starting with, do you know who I am? Which is what causes us to turn and face God to begin with. If you know he's holy and you're a sinner, you need a way to be right with God. And that way is through Jesus Christ. In a few weeks, uh, I guess a little over a month, you'll get to hear a message that will have to do with everything Christ did to make that possible by coming to die for you and, and the amazing resurrection that guarantees it. His resurrection guaranteed that everything he did was permanent. Otherwise, what we do is foolhardy. If he didn't really rise from the dead, then what value is there for you to be here? Because if he didn't rise from the dead, then everything you believe is not true. But he did rise from the dead. And there's many witnesses to that resurrection. And so in the end, you come to know him and realize that he's everything that you ever wanted. You got it all on the first day, right? I don't think so. I think we have to keep studying and growing. We have to keep being reminded. Peter says, I will not forget to remind you. I won't neglect to remind you of so great a salvation. Why? Because he never wants you to forget. He doesn't want it to become complacent. He doesn't want it to become something that, oh, it's like a comfortable armchair. It's gotten more comfortable over time. He wants it to be unique. He wants you to wake up 
recognizing the uniqueness of that relationship. In the first two messages, we saw from the scriptures the works of Jesus. We saw people healed, water turned to wine, feeding of thousands from small amounts of food, demons cast out, blind receiving their sight, deaf hearing, lame walking, the dead rise again. But this same Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, was beaten, bruised, and crucified. The impossible then happened. He rose from the dead. Many believed. The Holy Spirit came. All of this, as miraculous as it is, was not the greatest miracle. You are. Salvation offered and received by those God works in. This is the greatest miracle. To see God continue to do this work, the greatest miracle, bringing more souls to salvation through Jesus Christ. You are the greatest miracle. In Ephesians, I'm going to close with this. Chapter 2, verse 4 and following, he says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. That is the greatest miracle you are that he worked in you, that he brought you into his family, that he made you his child, that he paid for your sins. You are the greatest miracle. And that miracle continues. There are more to be saved. We should be very excited that we can talk to people about Christ and know that he can win people to himself. That he still is doing that work. That the gospel is the power of God and salvation. Can I have a word of prayer? And then we're going to sing a hymn and a chorus. So at this time, uh, somebody can let Cheryl know that we're singing the hymn, and she'll be out to sing with us whenever it's time. Okay, let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we're grateful for your love. You are amazing the way you worked to bring us into your family. That your bringing us to you is the most incredible miracle of all. And you have done this miracle for thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Thank you, Father, for making us part of your family. Help us to rejoice as we sing songs to you, reminding us of what you've done for us and what we have to look forward to. We praise you for the many blessings of knowing you. In Christ's name, amen.
books to 163. In number 163, my Redeemer. The other people can come up here anytime. Not all of you, just the rest of worship team. 163. My Redeemer. You might actually have to look in your hymnals. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. Sing, O oh, sing of my Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me. On the cross He sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me free. story how my lost estate to save in his boundless love and mercy he the ransom freely gave sing oh sing of my Sing, oh, sing, sing of my Redeemer, Redeemer, with His blood He purchased me, me. on the cross He sealed my sing the reason I sing together. All that I preached was about Jesus Christ. And he is the reason we sing. So let's all stand together and sing the chorus. Are they 
They're just going to do it down there. They okay. They're going to practice it down there. If you see Cheryl here doing sign language, uh, the kids all down there will be doing it, but they're not coming up to do it yet. They're just doing it down there and practicing. So if you see them doing it, they've learned sign language to this song. And that'll be really cool. Everyone's standing, so you can stand too. Okay? The reason I sing. Thank you. 
Father, thank you for giving us this amazing reason to sing, that we know you as our Savior, that we are in a relationship with the Father, and that living inside of us is your Holy Spirit to teach us and help us as we strive to grow to be more like you. Thank you for this time today. As we go, Help us to be excited about what you've done in our life, to be reminded once again of how amazing you are. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. You're dismissed. Perfect. They did absolutely amazing. We'll catch him at all, and you'd be behind him. You're okay. Yeah. Tired? Yep. Or is that kind of noisy? You know, you're up every couple hours, maybe. Oh, too bad. You guys are as well.